0: You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sports Rocks Podcast on the Packernet Podcast Network. My name is Sam Holman, and I'm here with my co-host McQuaid Arnold. McQuaid, how are you doing?
1: I am outstanding. I'm glad to be back. Game week, week one. Minnesota Vikings, here we come.
0: Yeah, it's we're 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 getting there. We're almost there. Yep. Just a couple more days. We're gonna be facing Minnesota Vikings on the road. Well, not us, but the Packers. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're we're gonna be talking the 53 man roster. Uh, today, just kind of breaking down some of our thoughts about the the final cuts and what what surprised us, what stood out to us and we'll be transitioning into talking about uh, the Vikings game and what we're going to be looking for there. So first of all just to start us off, uh, the Packers finished off the final cuts on uh, 2 on August 30th um they made a couple moves after that just putting together their, their practice squad and that sort of thing we can kind of cover that but just to talk about the initial 53-man roster i'm going to run through the position groups who was kept who was cut and all that sort of thing so starting from the top quarterbacks obviously jordan love aaron Rodgers, they were kept danny ettling was released at running back aaron jones and aj dillon were the only two backs kept tyler goodson patrick taylor and dexter williams were cut um, though Taylor and Goodson were later added to the practice squad uh, at wide receiver, they kept seven receivers: Allen Lazard, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, Amari Rogers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Samari Toure. They released Jawan Winfrey, Travis Fulham, and Ishmael Hyman. Um, I believe they—I know they brought back Winfrey on the practice squad. I believe they brought back Fulham as well. Um, maybe wrong on that though. At tight end, they kept four. Uh, players, Tunyon, Mercedes, Deguara, and Tyler Davis. They released Al- Elise Mack, who was injured, uh, Nate Beckard, who was also injured, and then they released Sal Canella, I believe that not, none of them, as of this recording, none of them have been brought back to the practice squad. On the offensive line, got David Bakhtiari, Josh Neiman, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, Elton Jenkins, Jake Hansen, Zach Tom, Rasheed Walker, and Sean Ryan, Caleb Jones, and Michael Manette were released. Caleb Jones was brought onto the practice squad. Switching over to the defense, on defen- on the defensive line, uh, they kept six players, Kenny Clark, Jaron Reed, Dean Lowry, DJ Slayton, Devontae White, and Jonathan Ford. They released Jack Heflin, Chris Slayton, and Akil Byers. Heflin and Slayton were both brought back into the practice squad. At uh, outside linebacker, they kept five, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Jonathan Garvin. Uh, Nalier and Kingsley and Igbari, and then they released Ladarius Hamilton and Kobe Jones. Uh, of those two, I think that Kobe Jones, I know for sure he was back on the practice squad. Not sure about Hamilton. There's been any change in that um, inside linebacker: Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie, and Chris Barnes. And then Ray Wilborn was released, and Ty Summers was actually uh, traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe, uh, before the fifty-three down. The 53 cut down date. Uh, and then they kept five corners, Jair, Stokes, Rasul, Shamar John Charles, and Keyshawn Nixon. And they released Rico Gafford, Keandre Thomas, and KB Ento. I believe they brought back, brought back both Gafford and Keandre Thomas, so they later released Gafford as part of a, another move. And then at safety, uh, they kept Amos, Savage, Dallin Lovett, Tariq Carpenter, and Micah Abernathy. They released Sean Davis, Ennis Gaines, and Devontae Cross. Um, they later released Micah Abernathy as well uh, when they signed uh, safety Rudy Ford, but, Micah Aber- but Abernathy was brought back on the practice squad. And then to finish up special teams, uh, they kept basic Crosby, at kicker, punter Pat O'Donnell, and long snapper Jack Coco. Released kicker Ramiz Ahmed. They brought him back. I believe the signing was officially announced today. Uh, they brought him back to the practice squad. So, a lot of you know names. A lot of movement going on over the last couple of days. Um, what were some What were some moves that stood out to you, McQuaid? Whether it was release, whether it was a decision to keep a player, or anything in between.
1: I think the the, the number one thing that that we all kind of um, focused on, <clears throat> at least from the start, was Juwan Winfrey being released. That he has been a name in Green Bay for two years now. It's been a name that Aaron Rodgers has praised mul- multiple times um, previous years as well as this year. And then he was also a name that Aaron Rodgers had mentioned. Uh, I think some displeasure in uh, in Green Bay releasing him. So to see him uh, come back to the practice squad, clear waivers, which is surprising to me, but then come back to the practice squad was was I think a, a pretty big deal, showing that Green Bay uh, cares what you know what their quarterback wants, but also they can acknowledge that that uh, you know Juwan Winfrey preseason is one of the greatest wide receiver wide receivers of all time, but but beyond that you know is it's been been iffy at best so the move totally makes sense and and when when you think about the top 6 wide receivers that you mentioned before Samara Ture, they were all locks they all had to be locks because of um either contract they were just drafted uh you know talent what have you there were, there were 6 locks and then whether or not they're going to bring back that seventh or bring in a seventh was kind of the big question. And I don't think the Samari 2 a would have cleared waivers. I think that it's pretty obvious that his phone was, there had been reports that his phone was blowing off the hook at the end of the seventh round during the draft, because people yeah. wanted to sign him or uh, thought they were going to be able to sign him and green man have drafted him in the seventh round. So I don't think he's going to clear, clear waivers. And, and I think that, you know, John Winfrey's contract and age may, may have played a role in him actually clearing waivers. Um, but that was that was a nice thing to see. I think that Green Bay played that well. Um and then the other part is is Caleb Williams, that that big offensive lineman, mammoth of a human being, six foot nine, three hundred and ninety pounds or seventy pounds, whatever it is. Um he was another player that, that Aaron Rodgers kind of I think showed a little bit of this displeasure in in Green Bay not keeping um on the on the roster. But again, he was brought back to the practice squad. So there's two guys that, that and the only two guys that I'm aware of that Aaron Rodgers showed any displeasure in being Bay not keeping were both brought back to the practice squad. I think that both for different reasons. Um, I think that they, they took Rashid Walker who was a seventh round draft pick um, from Penn state onto the 53, because he just showed a little bit more um, fundamentals of the game, you know, more than K- Caleb Williams is just a big dude and he will, and he will outmuscle you each and every play. Right. But if you got some players with finesse out there or a little bit of, Um, charisma, on-field charisma, that might be able to get around him. So getting a player that's a little bit more polished, but bringing back Caleb Williams, who is in of itself a weapon because he's so big, you can develop him into something. Uh, And then the the third one that kind of stuck out to me was only two running backs, and I think that was a big shocker for me, mainly because I think that Aaron Jones is going to be labeled as a weapon this year, not necessarily a running back. And I think that A.J. Dillon will get the most carries, um at the true running back position this year but Aaron Jones will get more touches in total um I, I truly believe they're going to use Aaron Jones everywhere on the field which would lead me to believe that they need to keep keep two more running backs behind Dylan or excuse me behind Jones um, so and like you said they, I think they brought them both back to the practice squad Goodson and Patrick Taylor so that's something you know that's something obviously but um we keep bringing up practice squad we keep we keep saying that but at the end of the day, you know, practice the practice squad isn't out there at week one. So that does not bo- that does not do anything for, for Minnesota Vikings versus Green Packers on September 11th. Um, so it's nice to see, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how they use their running backs now. There's only two on the roster.
0: Yeah, no, it is worth noting with the practice squad. I think they recently changed the rules where essentially every player on the practice squad can be elevated three times to the active roster on game day um, after they like each after a player has been elevated three, three times, then they have to either be kept on the practice squad or elevated to the active roster for good. And so I think that even though they only have two running backs, I I think that what their plan is, is they're going to elevate some of those guys, Tyler Goodson, Patrick Taylor, depending on their needs um, for, you know, for the, fir- the first part of the season, well, they wait for Kylan Hill to return. And then, you know, they'll make a decision. Do they want one of these guys on the active roster? Do they want Kylan Hill out there as kind of their main backup running back? Um, obviously, Amari Rodgers, we saw him take some snaps at running back, so he can kind of do some stuff in that role. Um, and one other thing, I actually made a mistake. Ty Summers was not traded to the Jaguars. That was Cole Van Lennon. Um, Ty Summers was actually the reason I was, I, I had his name in my mind. He was actually the only player claimed on waivers, uh, from the Packers, which, um, kind of leads into my other point. I think Green Bay played this really well. Like, I think that they, the guys that they released, they were pretty much able to get all of the guys they wanted back on the practice squad, right? The guys we kind of worried about Caleb Jones, um, Jawan Renfri, for me it was Kobe Jones and Chris Slayton and some of those defensive linemen. Um, they were able to you know, get them all back, and I think that shows kind of the the feel that Brian Goodkins has for you know what the league's going to be doing and what players are out there. So I think it was well played uh, by the Packers. A couple surprises for me. Um, you got, you covered the offense really well. Uh, I'm going to go on defense. Sean Davis was kind of out of the blue. Um, now it makes sense in hindsight because apparently he got he was injured uh, the last couple of practices and that kind of affected his his eligibility for the roster. What well, the it, it affected whether they wanted him on there or not. So that makes sense with the, the context of the injury. But you know, it just it, it felt out of the blue at first because he had kind of been their primary backup safety, and so it felt really weird for them to be cutting him at a position they already kind of. Had some questionable depth. That the other uh, couple, the other surprise was John Ford, Jonathan Ford being kept over Chris Slayton and Jack Heflin. I, you know, there, I'm not saying that Jonathan Ford did not have some good plays in preseason, but I think that, you know, most most people, including me, would say that Jack Heflin and Chris Slayton outperformed him. Um, They were better pass rushers, they affected the game and, you know, the run game more. and so it, you know, kind of came out of nowhere. I, I had predicted that Chris Lane was going to make the roster. I know some people wanted Jack Heflin, but you know they they cut both those players, got them both back on the practice squad. I think that you know the point you made about um, wanting their draft picks on like the four the four year uh, deals, their rookie deals, it play it did play a part. I also think, and I kind of mentioned this on Twitter after that happened, was. Um, Jonathan Ford, he—if you think about kind of the way they want to use their defensive line—he's going to be one of the few like true nose tackles that they have out there, right? Kenny Clark, now he can play nose tackle, but sounds like they—you know—it sounds like he got lighter over the off season. Sounds like they want to use him at you know three technique and outside a little bit more. Um, same with Jaron Reed—he's been sounds like he's been playing primarily you know three four defensive end most of the off season. Devontae White—they want as a three technique. So if that's the case, and your your uh, your fourth guy is Deion Lowry, that really only leaves T.J. Slayton to play true nose ta- nose tackle. And so in that context, it makes sense that they wanted Jonathan Ford, even though in a vacuum, Chris Slayton and Jack Evelyn may have been better, more consistent players than he was.
1: Yeah, I think that Jonathan Ford is brought back big big reason because because of his size. Uh, in my opinion, he's six foot five, three forty. That's compared to Kenny Clark, who's 6'3", 3'13". So he's a big dude that they brought back, and I think they did that for a reason. But I was I was surprised in the, in the same right now. Them bringing back the defensive lineman that, that they did kind of put me – and I wrote an article about this on Wisconsin Sports Road, but kind of put me in a position to – or just assumption that they were going to do something bold with their defensive linemen. And that involved a trade with Dean Lowry because of the contract, mm, yeah. because, of, because of the the reliability, not necessarily the the splash plays and the highlight plays that he's had. he's had. He has had a few in his career, but nothing crazy. But he's on a pretty lucrative contract right now for what he's done on the field. and, I, and I, But I still think that he could benefit from, or many teams could benefit from his presence. And if that were able to lead to a a safety um, or or, I mean, for to be honest, with you, I think safety is is the biggest, big maybe depth corner. You know, safety yeah. or depth corner in in exchange for Dean Lowry would be huge, and that is also in in conjunction with the fact that they have so much top heavy depth now at defensive line, and I don't know that that Jonathan Ford isn't going to be able to do what what Dean Lowry can do. Now, I'm not gonna don't get me wrong, Dean Lowry done a has done a ton of thankless thankless work he just plugs the hole he doesn't get any stats or doesn't get any recording stats on the stat sheet or or what have you but he plugs the hole he doesn't you know allow typically doesn't allow big uh gaping holes he doesn't get get pushed over he just kind of does this thing on the offensive line nowhere near kenny clark but nowhere near uh, on shouldn't be unappreciated now if you get a guy like jonathan ford in there who's just a massive human being in in his own right um Who's uh, like you said a bigger can play actual nose tackle and can do similar things that Dean Lowry can do. Then that made me think that they could, uh, you know, potentially use him as a trade piece. No talk. There's no talk about that yet. Obviously, nothing reported. That's just me kind of uh, spitballing here.
0: Yeah, no, that that's an interesting point, and I think it could be something to keep an eye on uh, as they get clo- when they get closer to the trade deadline. You know, if they let really like what Chris Slayton or Heflin has given them. Um, they may feel that Lowry is is replaceable at, at his price tag. So that'll definitely be something to keep an eye on. Um, one one thing I did want to touch on before we take a break for some ads, uh, the, the signing of Rudy Ford uh, that I, actually I believe it might have been a waiver claim. It might not have been. I don't think he I think the Packers might have claimed him on waivers. Can't remember exactly, but. Whatever the process was, Rudy Ford is now in the Packers. Now, I, I just want to give people a little bit of background on this guy because, you know, I did some film watching, did some digging. And he's an interesting player, right? The, I think the headline, like the headline skill set for him is on special teams. He's a monster at punt gunner. Like legitimately, he could be one of the best punt gunners in the league he just he know he's got incredible speed and he knows how to get around blockers right he can get around double teams i remember watching a clip i think it was against the dolphins he juked out an entire double team and just ran right past them and forced a fair catch they're uh, he's he's going to be awesome on special teams you know as long as you know we don't obviously don't want paddle down without kick the coverage but <laughs> i think that you know one of the ways to avoid big pun returns is to just make the other team fair catch it all the time, and I think that he can kind of give you that skill set. Um, and there, he did other stuff as well. He was, you know, rushing punts uh, when the he was on the Jaguars previously. When the Jaguars were receiving punts, he was rushing the uh, opposing team's punter. Um, on kickoff returns, he was doing some coverage there, uh, doing some just assorted stuff on special teams. So I think he could be a really good special teams player. And then the interesting thing about him on defense, he was basically the starting slot quarterback for the Jaguars for, through the, for the back half of last year, um, starting in like week six around there, um, against the, against the dolphins, he basically kind of served served as that that primary slot corner. He resorted it out a little bit, um but he he was the main guy in there and you know, he he's he did some interesting stuff. He's he's a really physical, aggressive coverage player, especially in man coverage, right? He's going to, you know, jam people at the line of scrimmage, kind of get all up in their face. Um I really liked what he did in zone coverage, you know, just his awareness of routes, you know, reading the quarterback and so I think that what he gives you is obviously special teams is going to be his main area of expertise. But if there are injuries in the secondary, for example, Darnell Savage goes down with injuries again, I think that he can fill in again at slot corner and allow them to move guys like Rasul Douglas around, right? We saw them experiment with Rasul Douglas at safety earlier this offseason. Could see that happen again. Um, And obviously Rudy Ford is listed as a safety, so it's possible that the Packers want to use him more as a traditional safety. But I think that, yeah, his his experience, he's probably the most experienced member of the the secondary because the the other guys are probably Shamar John Charles and Keyshawn Nixon, who neither of them have played significant snaps, um, even compared to just the one year that uh, Rudy Ford was uh, essentially a starter for the Jaguars. Um, So, yeah, I I think that he gives you a little bit of of veteran depth. A little bit of reliability, a little bit kinda of, you know what you're getting from him and you can survive with him on the field.
1: No, you're you're hundred percent right. I, I I love the the Rudy Ford signing. The more I looked into it, I saw the clips that you saw. Um he's going to be someone that can play depth and, and then just not mess up, not not give up a Hail Mary at the end of the NFC Championship game against Miller, whatever whatever that 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 Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver was, Scotty Miller, whatever it was, yeah. right? I don't, I don't think he's going to do something like that. However, the biggest thing with him for me is injury. Right? He is ne- he's been in the in the league since 2017. He has never played a full season. Ten games in 2017. Then it was 13. Then it was 10. Then it was eight in 2020. In 2021, he played 15 games. Right? So that's so. If you're ever gonna get a guy who does have an injury history, you're gonna get him. After he has a fully healthy year, you know, so that's the one thing you want to look up with, with Rudy Ford. Um, and honestly, that's going to happen when you're, when you're primarily a special teams dude and you're just gunning all the time, you're, you're liable to get hurt, right? That, that special yeah. team is one of the most dangerous um, aspects of football, right? So I, I, not, there's no shame from him hit, hit towards or shade towards him whatsoever. It's just comes, comes with the nature of the beast for him. So hopefully that does not play a role in green Bay, but, Everything else you said, 100 he, percent, he would be able to come in and just not lose us a game, which for safety beyond Amos and, and Stokes or excuse me, Amos and uh, um, Savage is is night and day difference compared to what we've had in the past.
0: Yeah, definitely. And And the good thing is that right now the secondary is fully healthy. Right. And hopefully yep. it stays that way. Obviously, injuries can happen, but like like you're talking about, I think Rudy Ford just gives you, gives you a solid depth base to kind of deal with any injuries that may happen. Yep. Um, we are going to get to a preview of the Minnesota Vikings game, uh, but before we do that, I want to tell you that pristineauction.com is back on the Packernet podcast. Pristineauction.com is the most trusted sports memorabilia auction site with an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. We are teaming up with Pristine Auction once again on another great giveaway. Listeners can win a Jordy Nelson-signed football championship trophy. You can check out uh, our Twitter page for pics of this great piece of memorabilia. To win, all you have to do is head to pristineauction.com and click register at the top of the page, or just follow the link in the podcast description. When you register, use our registration code FARV, as in the quarterback, obviously, to be entered. And as a bonus, Pristine Auction will kick, in $10, uh, will kick in $10 off your first winning auction. Every item on pristineauction.com comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators. Upgrade your collection of signed memorabilia today and get $10 off your first item one when you use code FARV when you sign up. Again, pristineauction.com slash register or use the link in the show description. Just use code FARV and you get $10 off your first item one. Be entered to to win the signed Jordy Nelson Football Championship Trophy. That drawing will be held Monday, September 19th. All right, we'll be right back after a few other messages from our sponsors.
1: Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days.
0: All right, we are back with a preview of the Minnesota Vikings Week One matchup with the Packers. It's going to be at US Bank Stadium. It's going to be a noon game. Fox's headliner. It's gonna, it's gonna be fun. I mean, it, it it doesn't get much more heated than Minis, than Vikings versus Packers at, at this point in the rivalry.
1: No, it's one hundred percent. I believe it's a a three twenty game, three twenty five game.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: But but yes, no, it is it is going to be absolutely electric there. I will be there. The the half of right. this Packernet podcast. I will be there. <laughs> uh, I'll be in my full Packers suit, so I'm sure I'll be getting all of the hate, which I'm cannot wait, <laughs> cannot wait for. Um, but no, yeah, this is going to be one of the the premier matchups of Week One. Um, I, I we 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 talk you know as much crap as, as anyone about the Minnesota Vikings, and that's they go to go figure. I mean, they missed the playoffs last year, but you cannot deny that they play Green Bay tough. Just like the Lions, for some reason, as of late, play the Packers <laughs> tough. Um, so he, I don't think that anyone's going to expect a blowout either way from uh, Sunday's matchup. But uh, this is going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch and and and, and be at.
0: Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of storylines heading into this game. Obviously, it's week one, you know, divisional matchup. The the stakes are already kind of high. Um, you now, news did come out today, positive for Packers fans. Uh, left tackle David Bakhtiari returned for team team reps in practice, and in an interview with ESPN's Rob Demovsky, he seemed to indicate that you know there were some pretty hopeful signs for him playing playing Week One. Now he did you know kind of later on on social media just kind of say that he was taking it day by day, but I. I kind of get the feeling that that's just him hedging his bets. I still think that it's kind of – I think that Packers fans can kind of start, you know, being optimistic that he, he could be out there week one. Now, we'll see. They may want him on a snap count. Uh, they may want to rotate him in and out. Um, that's kind of something that's really interesting about what Adam Sedovich has done is that the the offensive line has really been able to operate whatever guys are out there. Right? They can change in the middle of the game. They can change in the middle of the season and still – be competent kind of communicate and and work together to to block the rush um but if he is out there for significant snaps i mean that's a that's a huge boost especially going up against you know a pretty good pass rush duo in Deniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith
1: yeah this is going to be one of the the biggest matchups of the entire game is how this offensive line starts out uh, personnel wise and then how they operate against uh, that 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 Vikings front, which you mentioned. is going to be formidable. You know, D- D- Daniel Hunter, last time he played, was one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. I get he took basically all last year off, but there's no reason to think that he won't be coming in this season. And then Zadarius Smith, if he's actually healthy, we saw what he can do in Green Bay. So as much, you know, crap talk as there's been between us and him in this offseason, you got to respect his ability to rush a passer. Uh, but Batyar being back does so much, so much for this offensive yeah. line, just in the sense that – you can. I would almost bank on Nijman playing right tackle. If if Batyar is a go for left tackle on Sunday, Nijman, who played outstanding last year in stretches at left tackle, played his entire college senior year of college at right tackle, the whole season, and he was outstanding during it. So he has probably the most experience at right tackle on the team right now, and I think that he would be a great plug and play man. And we're I'm right now. I'm operating under the assumption that. Um, Elton Jenkins is not good to go because of right yeah. now we have not heard any bear We have not heard the news for Jenkins that we have for Batiari so far. So we're going to operate like he isn't ready, good to go for week one. Um, but then that, that and then you, you have, you have Josh Myers, obviously starting center. So that's three, that's Batiari Myers and Josh Nisman who are going to be anchoring the, the three most important positions on the offensive line. And then you just plug and play. You I mean, John Runyon Jr. is probably going to be a lock to play one of the guard positions, Zach Tom, was a rookie who has been outstanding i think he was the only rookie or one of the one of the only two rookies in all of preseason to not let up a single pressure um or or something close to that statistic it was it was incredible how well he played yeah and then you got you know um uh newman you know john money jr zach tom there's, there's going to be a bunch of of uh um, options for the guard position and, and it helps so much when you have the left tackle and right tackle and center all squared which which Green Bay seemingly does right now.
0: Yeah, no, that that'll definitely be interesting to see what they do with Josh. Um, I, I agree with you. I think that right now it's I'm kind of leaning towards Elton. He he's probably not going to play um, just because it, it doesn't seem like he's quite as as far along in in his ACL recovery. Right, it sounds like he hasn't taken team team snaps or it snaps in team periods. Um, so that's probably you know something you want to look for before he he starts to work towards you know actually playing in a game. Um, I, I am curious though how they approach that right tackle position because Josh Newman didn't really sounds like he didn't take any snaps really at right tackle over the off season. Um, sounds like they were kind of rotating, they were experimenting with Chris Newman out there, with uh, Zach Tom who you mentioned. Um, I feel uh, some some other guys kind of rotated in. Obviously, Rasheed Walker, uh, seventh round pick. Um, so I, I do wonder if maybe they prefer Zach Tom just because. They seem to just prefer Yosh as a left tackle only player, but yeah, that that'll definitely be worth watching uh, when, when they first step out there. That's, the other that's thing I'm really, going to be want. Oh, go ahead. Sorry,
1: that's that's a really good point because um, when Elton Jenkins was practicing, we saw him solely practicing on right tackle foot formation. Yeah, so that or foot fundamentals. So that is something to watch out for. So you're right. You know, really, we haven't seen too much. You know, consistent uh, right tackle play from. You know, like, you know, Zach Tom played tackle a lot in preseason, but you're right, you know, and Yash Nijman, I don't think we played seen him play too much in preseason at right tackle, so that could be something to watch out for. Um, I just, I, I have a hard time believing that, that Yash Nijman isn't one of the five best offensive line for Packers week one, and yeah. I think the best spot for him is right tackle if Batiaris for, for sure go for for left tackle. So that, that was my thought process, but no, you're right, 100%.
0: Yeah, yeah. Another storyline I'm going to be watching, kind of in the same vein of you know what's going to happen with injury. Alan Lazard, he sat out practice today. He he was sitting out practices. Um, some of the more recent practices as well. It seems like his his uh, status is in some doubt for week one. Um, so that's going to be another thing to watch, right? He was presumably going to be the wide receiver one in this new look offense. Um, so, you know, the questions come up is Sammy Watkins going to have to step up or are they going to have to, I mean, they're basically going to have to rely on one of the rookies, right? Because, um, I- unless they elevate Jawan Winfrey, they don't really have another, you know, if they roll out there in 11 personnel with three wide receivers on the field, they're not going to be able to keep veterans on the field all the time. Um, so, that's another storyline that's going to come up, uh, kind of related. you know, how are the rookies going to look, uh, against the the secondary of the Vikings? Um, now the Vikings, Oh, sorry. Were you going to say something?
1: No, I was just gonna say that that, that was news. That was new news today, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that was something that, that, no, I think kind of took most of us off guard. No one really anticipated Lazard not being available at any point in time, let alone for week one. So, to see that was 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 very surprising, and you're right. You know, if he really isn't a go for week one, and Green Bay does not elevate anyone from the practice squad and bring Green Bay does not sign anyone in free agency or trade for anyone between now and Sunday, which I don't even think that would be a possibility of playing yeah. next week, um, you're going to see you know, rookies contribute in a meaningful way on Sunday, which is you know, like we talked about the, the Vikings have a good defensive front, but their secondary is by far the weakest part of their set of their of their defense outside of uh, Harrison Smith. And and it's a major drop off after Harrison Smith. So, Hey, if there's a time to do it, now's the week.
0: <laughs> yeah. It might be a little bit of a, a trial by fire for those rookies. Um, but yeah. I, I think that they, that what they've shown the way Aaron Rodgers has kind of spoken of them, you know, just praise them when we've seen him, you know, be critical of rookies when he wants to be in the past. You know, I don't think it's a small thing that he's been really complimentary of Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and even Samara Toure, their their seventh round pick. Um, I think that this this class of rookies is looking really good. Early returns. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of time for that to change, but I, I think that they're they're looking good so far, and I'll be excited to see what they can do against the the Vikings defense. Um, Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, what are you going to be looking for as the Packers match up against Kirk Cousins?
1: You've got to the number one thing you got to do is see who's going to follow. Is is Jair Alexander going to follow? Um, uh, eighteen, what's his name? Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, of course, of course. Is is Jair Alexander going to follow him? Are they going to have a plan for him? That's got to be your first your first assumption. Uh, You know, Adam Thielen still has good instincts in him he's still a good wide receiver but I honestly feel comfortable with Eric Soaks or Russell Douglas taking the responsibilities of of him and then uh you know beyond that uh, I think our top three if Jay Alexander it gets the better of Justin Jefferson I think that the rest of our starting you know trio cornerbacks can handle the the two and three wide receivers from Minnesota Vikings um that is going to be where it starts that has to be where it starts uh, but the very next thing after that has, has got to be the pass rush. Sean Gary and Preston Smith have got to come to play. They've got to be like Zaydarius Smith was last year or two years ago in Minnesota when he had those three sacks and basically took over the game by himself. Um, you know it, that is going to be major, going to be major. Those two position groups, and I don't mean to like be cliche and just mention all three levels of defense. But again, you know how Devondre Campbell and and Y or excuse me, uh, Quay Walker play the run. Uh, behind the offensive the defensive line is going to be a big too. You know they got Devin Cook, um, so all three levels are going to have important roles, but for different reasons. And I think that that Green Bay and not not to mention Minnesota's offensive line is nothing to write home about at all. So this 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 defensive front should have their way um, in at least creating pressure, pushing back the line of scrimmage, and hopefully getting a few sacks.
0: Yeah, I, I think the, the defensive front is what I'm going to be watching as well, um, especially in the run game because you know if you can. If you can play with a light box up front, right, where you're you're kinda out gapped, you have your defensive line in a position where they can, you know, play multiple gaps, kind of clog up run lanes. Um, what it it really gives you an advantage in the passing game, right? Where the Vikings have Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, KJ Osborne, I mean even Dalvin Cook can contribute. Um it allows you to maintain a coverage advantage, right? You don't need to bring a guy into the box. You can kind of keep stuff in front of you a little bit better, um, handle route combinations a little bit better um, when you can keep that extra safety on the roof. And so, it's going to be big if the if the Packers front can, you know, both handle the run and get after the quarterback um, without bringing extra guys into the box, whether blitzing or you know whatever whatever the, the potential adjustment would be in that case. Um, I, I think that the defensive front for the Packers is going to be key to holding that offense in check.
1: I really think that Green Bay will be able to get consistent pressure with Jaron Reed, Kenny Clark, Z'Darrius, excuse me, Rashawn <laughs> Gary, and Preston Smith. Those four, I legitimately think will be able to get pressure consistently, especially if they play four down defensive linemen, uh regularly and that is that by itself is going to allow green bay to do a lot on that defensive secondary and linebacker and and uh whether that means quay walker playing some pass some pass protection or excuse me playing in the passing game uh defensively or um bringing in another safety it's going to give them a lot a lot of uh uh options
0: yeah Well, we've kind of covered uh, some of the main storylines leading up to that game. Before we got out of here, was was there anything else you wanted to cover, whether about the 53-man roster, recent news, or the upcoming game?
1: No, I think that uh, Sammy Watkins. I think he's a name to watch out for Week 1. Maybe it's not a bold prediction, maybe it is, but watch out for (laughs) Sammy Watkins Week 1. I think that he is faster, and he is... um, back to what he used to be in college. And I think that he can exploit that d- against this defense. I don't think they have a cornerback that can consistently cover uh, Sammy Watkins when he's in you know, full breakout speed that. And then I just want to reiterate, right? Right now, as we sit this recording, both Christian Watson and Alan Lazard are not guaranteed to play. If they don't play or they're inactive come week one, those two wide receivers look for Juwan Winfrey uh, to be called up for the practice squad i think that could yeah. be a very viable option you you go from seven down to five you're going to want a six just just to keep your game plan somewhat intact and uh and then my third and final one is going to be aaron jones in the passing game or just as a weapon i know i mentioned it earlier but i still think that's going to be a major disadvantage for the green Bay's defense look out for those three things possibly happening uh week one
0: yeah well do you have a final score prediction
1: Oh yeah, I'm going 34-24. Green Bay it scores a late touchdown in the in late in the late late of the fourth quarter to uh, put it away.
0: Yeah, nice. I think I will go 31-20. Green Bay. I think that um, the defense holds the Vikings' offense in check. Maybe they score a late touchdown to kind of close the close the gap. But I think the Packers' offense will surprise some people. Come out with some unscouted looks and just take advantage of the the holes in the Vikings' defense.
1: If this Green Bay team is ahead, thirty-one to thirteen, late in the game, I am going to be ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> to those Vikings fans, can't wait.
0: Nice, nice. Hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to you'll be able to do that. Um, well, but yeah, I, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Wisconsin Sports Heroics podcast. Uh, you can join us every week. It's a similar date, usually we have them out uh, Monday, Tuesday, around there. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening and have a great day.